So good morning. I don't know if we could have more things going on in this in this house if we tried. I tell you what. Uh, all I know is, all I know is, we serve a sovereign God. <laughs> He's on the throne. We're not. And no matter what it looks like, we we're going to praise Him. We're going to praise Him no matter what. And there's there's just. I don't even want to start. We could start with Kim. And we could go all the way around the room and we'd be like, whoa. And if I could have found a scripture that, that said that we're being stretched beyond reason, I would, but there's not one there. And it's in many ways. I mean, I'm ta- and the biggest part for me is my brain, my mind is just, but you know, things are going on everywhere. You know, I talked to Stacy McGill and usually I stay with her for the conference. And I always check before, I don't assume, well, she's taking care of a, a dog that had some very serious surgery. She's like foster caring for the dog. And the dog is in the room that, that I'm in and the dog can't really get up and go around and move anywhere. So, okay, then I need to say more. So I'm not staying at Stacy McGill's house this time. But she's like, there's just so much happening. I just, I feel like I'm stretched. I'm like, yeah, get in line. <laughs> line forms behind me, but some of you may say, no, line forms behind me. It's like, there's just, woo, and we just keep going. So I was, I was trying to decide the whole what I'm going to teach thing. And I'd already started on understanding Rama, because that's the name of our conference. And I always like to look at stuff like that before the conference comes. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll look at this a little bit more. And then I thought I had another idea. And then I came back and was like, no, I think I'm going to look at this. So we're going to talk about Rama, but we're going to talk about the School of the Prophets. And it took me a little while because, and I had to find all the scriptures. I had to make, it had to make sense to me or at least mostly sense, before I could start talking to you guys about it. You guys sometimes help me get more sense into it. So <clears throat> I went and looked up, you know, the scripture Pastor Ron talked about like a month ago, I think. He was talking about in First Samuel 19, where it talks about the the uh, school of the prophets, and, and we're going to name this Rama, and this this is what we are, like we're, we are the school of the prophets, we're going to take the school of the prophets to the different places and all that kind of thing. I'm like, what's so special about this Rama, school of the prophets? Samuel did it, Samuel did it, and then Elisha and Elijah did it? Yeah, Elijah and Elisha did it, and then who else? Somebody else. Obadiah talked about it. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to keep up with all this. So by the way, part of what this is, I'm, I did in here is from this book. Do you guys remember this book? It's from 2020. Oh, sorry. The book is Seven Eyes of the Prophetic. It's by Pastor Ron Crawford. Seven Eyes of the Prophetic. And it's seven ways that we have a perspective of prophecy and how we release or take that or, you know, move that forward on his behalf. We're going to talk about one aspect of it in here, but this is a really good, this not be a bad reread before we go to the conference, just saying. I don't know if all the conference, uh, all I know is it's good read, because we are going to be talking about the School of the Prophets, and, and you know, at the conference, we're going to talk about 
the places that some of those schools were. So I l tried to look up the scriptures, and, and we're not going to get through this today. I just want you to know that I am teaching the next three Sundays. So I at least have next Sunday if I need to <laughs> to finish this. But I looked at all the scripture, and I'm, I don't know how we're going to get through it all. I just really don't. But we'll look on this. we're just going to start looking and reading and see what's going on. So the first thing that caught me off guard, and I told Vicki, I don't even remember this, was what the word prophet that I'm using here, what it really means and what the word is, because I don't know what I thought it was, but it wasn't, I say Nabi or Nabi. Is that right? Nabi and Naba is, anyway, the word for prophets that we're going to be looking at, sons of prophets. The prophet's word is a word, Navi, and it means to bubble up or to boil forth words. So in so many ways, it reminds me of how I let my mouth run away with me. And no, that's not what it is, because this is inspired. This is inspired words from God, not just bleh. So I think, I don't remember what I put on. Yeah, Navi prophets are those who speak with the fervor of spiritual mind, or under divine inspiration. Meaning, it, when you look at this, you can see the people that are nobbies, those kind, and they, they, the prophets, the sons of the prophets, and they speak forth. But then you look at people like Saul, who got caught up in this, and that's where I get the under divine inspiration. See? And I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Because he wasn't, I mean, I don't think his whole mind was was there with the God. I know that that's what God wanted. But with Saul, it just didn't take. I don't know any better way to say it. And we know people like this. I mean, we've known people that have been here and, and understood what was happening, but it didn't take. And now they're not here. And so I'm glad that it took with all you guys. Um, because, you know, the stuff that's that's continuing to happen in this world and how the world has changed. And now I know what my grandfather meant when he said, boy, the world sure has changed. And I'm just looking at him, no, it hasn't. What are you talking about? Now I know exactly what he's talking about. The world has changed. I admit while looking at this word, I was just, I got a little lost. And then that's when I found it's seven eyes of the prophetic because I, I called my best friend Vicki up because she's my best friend. In case you didn't know that. Did you? So, so um, yeah, in other words, if you're a, a nabby, you are a spokesman for God. And that is exactly what he is calling us to be right now. Um, I think he's called us to be that. Some of you are of the prophetic office. Some of you are of the fivefold version of the prophet. Absolutely, positively, Kim. And so then you, I don't even think she heard me. I just called your name. You didn't even look like funny or laugh. Okay. So, <laughs> gotcha. All right. So what we're going to do is look at this, the, I think this is, yes, the first occurrence of this word prophet, the nabby word prophet, the nabby word. This sounds so weird. So, we're gonna we're in Numbers 11, and if you remember this story, a short version by Annette, people were upset that there were these two dudes, Eldad and Medad, that were prophesying in the camp. 
And Joshua was there when some young kid ran up and said, I don't know how he said it. I probably said it like they shouldn't be doing that because Joshua said, forbid them from doing this. Stop them from talking. And Moses said, "Mm, I know, I, I hang out with God. So basically, he knew God's plan and purpose for all the people of Israel and for all those that will be sons from now until the end of time. And he said, God would that all of these people arise and be my prophets. So he said this next part too. Well, 11.29, and Moses said unto him, him being Joshua, envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Very simple, straightforward, but Moses knew what God, what God's intention was for the people. And and it says for all of the Lord's people, which I found that interesting because it's diff- it's the plan and purpose of God people. Those that are in that, those that are are piling on to be a part of God's plan and purpose, those people are going to be those that speak, that 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 are my spokesmen, are are speaking with a spiritual mind of the things that are happening and occurring at that moment, and that's I mean this is a speak now, forever hold your peace kind of a speaking when it comes to prophecy. This is that that kind of um, na- nabi, nabi, sorry, nabi. And so <clears throat> when you look at the word people, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't say the nation of Israel, it doesn't say um, not Gentiles and, or Gentiles or anything like that. It just says that it's a, it's a group or a, co- a congregated unit of, of people, a tribe even. I'm sorry. Also, sorry. Also uses kindred and kinsmen. Yeah. So it's, you know, to me, this is one of the neatest declarations that Moses ever said and made over all the earth. Because he wasn't just talking to the people in the camp. He, well, he, he probably was, but he was talking about everybody on the earth that is willing to partner with God in what he's doing and be a part of his plan and purpose for the earth. You will be. That that prophet, that's what you will be. So, next scripture. You know what I find interesting yes. is is that um, Paul basically responded in the New Testament to the church at Corinth in the same way. I would that all God's people would prophesy, and yet people ignore that whole prophesy and just use that text to to condemn speaking in speaking tongues, in tongues yeah. and they miss the whole point. <laughs> they do. They do. And I don't know if, if Joshua got the point because he was the one that was the main person at that moment. So like to me, Joshua representing the, the generations of Israelites at that time, because we had Moses and then we had, you know, Joshua, Caleb. Go ahead. But if this doesn't tell you the continuity of, of God's sure. plan being in effect from day one all the way through, even into the New Testament and continuing on, then I don't know what what does i mean I it wasn't it wasn't just to come save people and and give them freedom to go to to live in a better place afterwards you know right. gosh if i get if i hear one more time and i even this week again oh my someone related to me 
um, lost their father. And I was just expressing my my sympathy. And they said, well, he's, he was just tired and he couldn't wait to go see mom. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, so much more why that. would someone be anxious to go to heaven to see another person other than God or Jesus? What? Because... Yeah, anyway, don't get me started. But I mean, it's just, it, that's just so how everything has been twisted. It, yeah, and continues to be twisted. I mean, well, look at all the things that have just challenged us in the last month about how God really works, and he really doesn't work the way we think he really works. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he has a way of doing things that, that are baffling to me, even now. And it's like, well, we like I I know my favorite thing is God's going to provide. God's going to provide, and I'm and I'm in my head working out how God's going to provide. Am I the only one? Okay, good to hear. But you know, God is so much greater than we than we give Him credit for. How about saying it that way? And then if that's us, then everybody else below us must be way down below where God wants them to be. It's not that he wants people in these places. He wants them with him and partnering with him and understanding what, I, what that means when you say the word partnering. So, no, Carmen hasn't gotten up yet. Yeah, you did hear that part, yes. It was the wave that came up Carmen's getting ready. She's formulating something. For God, it's an easy flip. Okay. That's more words. For God, it's an easy flip. Is all I was saying because no matter what we think, or no matter what we see, and God tells us what to do, we do it. And same for them; they're not seeing, they are seeing. Whatever, it's not exactly where God is, but we know where God is. We're seeing where that is. We're seeing that moment, and we're able to grab it for them and start that uh, domino effect for them. Yeah. And we might not get to see the time when the domino falls, but. Right. What we say and what we do, what we see, yeah, it starts. And it, you know, it just reminded me too, because even you know, last week when I was, the whole Iscaris thing, you know, the, the, the famine that came for that one son, it didn't just affect him, it affected a whole land. But yet from the beginning of time, God intended that event to be what would be that turning point for him. So... You know, you just realize it's like, you know, that mentality of, oh, God looking for one, but he would even set up events in life to happen for that one, you know, for the one who would be hungry. And granted, it's going to affect other people and have that opportunity, but what he'll do for a son that he knows is hungry to give them that opportunity to partner and to know his divine mm -hmm. revelation and understanding. Um, that's what, that's what God's all about. And that's why we are where we are. He's given us the opportunity. He's all, I mean, it's all the time. It's been from the very beginning of our life, to be honest. I mean, really, straightforward. But since we've become sons and started to understand that, he's giving you the opportunities. Take them. And realize that everything that's in front of you is an opportunity. Even if it feels yucky, icky, idiotic, anything. Just, it's an opportunity. So... 
All right, let's look about Saul. You know, we've, we've talked about Saul quite a bit, I'm sure. Saul in the Old Testament, not Saul in the New Testament. So after Samuel anointed Saul king, you know, he, he says some things to Saul, and then Saul turns around and starts to walk away, and that's when God gives him a new heart. And he ends up being in this place where he's among the prophets, in, in Gilgal, right above this, it says he was in Gilgal and like the verse above. And it says, and when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him and the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass. Oh, I'm not going to be able to read this. Sorry. And it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, what is this that has come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered, and one of the same place answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? There is so much in here. I I could have talked, probably could have talked about this only this whole time, just this one scripture, because there's something really important about being the son of Kish. What's Kish? Who's that dude? That's his dad. What, what, what's that all about? Um, you know, he's in Gilgal, which we, 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 we talked about Gilgal. I mean, I mean, there's just, there's just, and then, you know, why are people saying that about Saul? You know, how can this be him? Because that's what they're saying. It's like, how can Jesus, how can this be a son of a carpenter? How can this guy prophesy and be the son of Kish? So there's like a lot to unpack, but I I don't know that we have that much time, but we're going to go together, okay? That means you have to help. So we know that Saul in the beginning, he was anointed king. What an undertaking. He was the first king of Israel. Now, the nation wasn't made up of 220 people, a small company. No, this was a 2 million people company. Just a, and he now had the responsibility of being king. Now, I don't know how he felt about it and all that kind of stuff, but Samuel went and anointed Saul king and said the things that he said right above that, and go, dude. And then the first thing that happens is he has a major encounter with the Lord. That's all I would call this because uh, you never prophesied before. At least it's never been recorded. Now here you are prophesying and just things just get better and better with Saul when he does this prophesying thing. So he comes up to a hill. So we know, talk about a hill. That's part of Gilgal has the hill. Go ahead, Vicki. Gilgal has the hill in the thing. Go. Well, the key there too is that that another heart that God gave him to where he was able, or he had, Saul had the desire to put God's God heart first. and his desires before Saul's heart. So Saul's heart would come behind in anything. Unfortunately, Saul didn't nurture that. Right. It didn't take. Now, did you, can you tell me what verse is that in? Did you look that's, that up? That's in verse nine. Verse nine. Okay. Oh, right above. Gotcha. I'm sorry, I don't know why my mouth is so dry, but we'll just keep going. So yeah, and that's that, and really, that's what's happened to us in so many ways. And that's what we need to continue to do, which is why, you know, 
clean it out, you know, winnowing away, get this, let's make this all just God's, so that our heart is behind God's heart. God's heart's first, our heart's behind that, our desire's behind that, his desire's in front. And so, you know, Paul comes upon these people, and the spirit of Elohim is what came upon him. So it's the heart of God, the Ruach of the heart of our father that came upon Saul in this place. But it is the Ruach of Elohim that comes upon us as well when we are about to be a spokesman for God and speak forth, bubble forth the words of truth that need to be heard. And so just, I, I just don't know why. I just find that just totally amazing. So, and he prophesied among them. So he was in this company of the prophets. They don't use the word sons of the prophets here. But company, you know, it's a group of people, a band. I'm just kidding. A band of people that are, that are you know, bound together. So Sorry, Larry. I should have done the drums. Um, so, and it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw, they raw-awed that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets because they knew him before. There, I don't know if there's a lot of detail about what Saul was before this happened. My Bible scholars, you know, Saul was a this, Saul was a that. He was like a farmer and a herdsman. I mean, helped his dad. He was off looking for donkeys, I think, when, yeah. when Samuel tried to find him to anoint him. So Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's an ordinary person. And then he's doing these extraordinary things so quickly after being anointed king. Oh, it's amazing. But the people that knew him before, they're like, what? Uh, how can this guy be this guy? I don't get it. And so when the spirit of Elohim comes upon you, and that also speaks volumes to what the Lord needed to have spoken at that during this time period. I don't know everything that was going on. You can read all around us, Samuel and First Samuel. I mean, wars and room. I mean, lots of battles and going on as well. And the grumbling of all the people that wanted a king. We want a king. We want a king. We want a king, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the atmosphere must have been very, very interesting. But the spirit of Elohim, the ruach of his heart for you, for you, for you, was overwhelming, and he began to speak words. So, <clears throat> um, yeah. It's just, I'm not sure what else to say, but they, they started to question, and I think in a semi-sarcastic way, but wait, who's his father? So if you just look up the word kish, you can see that it means the word bent. That's what the word translates into, literally. Okay, hand her back the microphone so she can. This is, this is what this is what we need some assistance here. I root, when you root it all the way back, it's like a trapper, so someone who snare as a I assume a hunter okay. of sorts. So I don't know if by that sarcastic remark, Kent was not necessarily a nice person. What, Kish? Hand of the microphone. Just ignore your guy. Lay a snare. Lay a snare. So it could be a trapper, but it also could be people that are trying to ensnare others. I mean, you don't, it depends on how it's used. Right. Well, see, I mean, you could even make that make sense in the concept of prophesying and what he's speaking the truth for, too. 
come, here's these words that are coming forth. Is he, is he like his dad? Or is this real? Uh, I don't know. So, and then the whole thing about it being a proverb is Saul also among the prophets. You know, a proverb is, you know, like, like a parable, like a saying that you use. So, and this, see, this is one of those things, I'm reading this, like, and he mentions it again later. I, I don't totally get the context of this, but this, I think it's important. And so, we move on. Okay. Any questions, anything else anybody wants to add? Because there are, like I said, there's a ton of stuff going on in here. Okay. So let's look at the next scripture. 1 Samuel 19, 19 through 24. I think I picked it up in a weird place and I didn't mean to. Oh, yes, Adrian. I, just, I had the thought in regards to it becoming a, um, a proverb or be. Yes. Yeah, because when you're looking, you know, like it gives a proverb, a parable, but at the very last, it says sentences of ethical wisdom or ethical maxims. And I was just thinking, you know, a proverb in the sense of, well, if Saul can become a prophet, then surely, you know, like wasn't Saul a prophet? So can't we do this too? You know, being applied oh. in that manner among the people mm -hmm. like, well, if, if, or if Saul's a prophet, you know, Adrian's a prophet, right? There we go. I was just thinking, too, the place, because this was in Gilgal, which is where these prophets were. I mean, <clears throat> you're talking about in a, in this place where God is going to restore, there's always going to be that opportunity. Because Gilgal is where also the um, the men were circumcised before they entered the promised land. Yes. That there's always going to be this this place of, of restoration is always going to require that we be circumcised anew in our heart. And for the creative measure of going forth. Mm -hmm. And that's really what was also at work here. And Saul, it only was apparently a, a momentary influence on him. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, as you said, didn't take, <laughs> he didn't submit to it yeah, in didn't. a lasting way. Right. Because we have another incident, which we're about to read, where it overcomes him again. The spirit of God overcomes him again and he prophesies. So, you know, there's, I know there's, there's, there's a lot of significance behind the reason we're going to go to, to Rama in September. So I think we're all going to have to find what it means for each of us individually, but really Rama was a very interesting place. So we're going to talk about Naoth in, in Rama. So Naoth is, I think, a city in Rama, which I guess is a region. I'm guessing because I didn't look at a map. So it says in 1 Samuel 19, 19 through 24, and it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Okay, why is he asking? Well, things were going okay. Then Saul became unhappy with David, and he wanted to kill him because of all the, he was a skilled and talented dude. How about that? And so Jonathan, we know Jonathan, Saul's son, he steps in on David's behalf and talks to his dad and says, don't do it. So then Saul says, okay, don't anybody, don't anybody kill, kill David. I don't know how many people told you, you go kill David. You, no, never mind. You guys don't kill David. 
the king has spoken. Um, but then, you know, war starts again, and David does what David does. And he, he slaughtered a bunch, a great many people that were coming against Israel, coming against the nation that, that Saul's being the king over. And so, again, the talking starts happening. An evil spirit comes over Saul, and he's like, I got to kill David. That makes no sense. I just want you to know, when you have an, an evil spirit come over you, what you're going to say is going to make no sense. <laughs> but you just realize this is why God didn't want the people to have a king. Because when you have a king, then you've got the the distrust and the um, the voices that come up. And you always, you know, if you're not trusting God that he placed you there, then you think that someone's going to usurp you. And that's because that's how it's always happened. Yeah. You have, you know, if you're a family who's in charge and you've got to make sure that, you know, the other ones stay weak so they don't overthrow you. I mean, this is like, it's, it ha this is, this happened all around them. And so for, for Saul to behave any differently, he was going to need the Ruach of Elohim to function differently. And because he didn't pursue that and didn't cultivate that, he was, he allowed himself to be persuaded when he heard the rumors. It didn't matter what David's intention was. It was that the people would revere David. And he thought, you know, all David has to do is snap his fingers and I am, I'm no longer king. Not realizing that he was king because God placed him there. Mm -hmm. And the only way Saul was going to no longer be king was because God said, you are done. And, but he didn't, you know, if he didn't cultivate that, he wasn't relying on the father in any capacity, yeah. even though that should have been his base. Yeah. Exactly. And so. Well, this has such great application for us absolutely. in any situation. Uh, we are here because God placed us here and, and there should be no fear in, in what we are facing because we know God put us here and, and our effect on our Terrio in the STEMI is uh, God ordained. And so we apply who we are in the fullness of what God told us we are. And whatever comes of that is, is God's plan. So we are, we are fully satisfied with no um, animosity or no jealousy or, uh, in, and we function in full humility before the Lord. And, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to be. So, um, you know, Michael, David's wife, finds out what's going on. So she basically tells David, get out. So he shimmies out the window and takes off. Where does he go? He goes to Rama, Rama, sorry, Rama, where Samuel is. And so that's how Saul comes to this because he sent, he sent people to try to figure stuff out. So in 20, Saul sent messengers to take David. So he's, he's trying to capture David. This is not a, you know, this is a lay hold of you kind of a message. <laughs> and, and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. So here's where we get the part where Samuel is standing over. He has been set a sign to stand here over these sons of prophets, over those that are going to speak forth 
bubble forth these words to, to the people, to, the, to be a spokesman for God and speak what, what it is. And this is how things were back in those days. But this is how things are going to be in these days. And because I always think, why was it, did everybody really just stop talking between the Old Testament and the New Testament? I always think about that kind of stuff because I'm a silly person like that. I, I don't know. But then you look at how much, was ha- how much activity was happening here and you realize there probably was a lot of activity going on and there was a point when there, there wasn't a school of the prophets functioning. You know, prophets just functioning on the, in the earth. And now we're about to get back to this plethora of people that are going to prophesy on behalf of the Father. And it's going to be, oh, Oh, a wonderful time had by all. Um, so that's how we get, this is how, we, this is how it started for me. Okay, Samuel did. He's over all these people. So, because that's what that's saying, that he's like, not the commander in chief, so to speak, but this is his authority. These are his group of people. Um, and when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. Every time you see prophesied, it's that word Naba or Naba or whatever, however you pronounce it, which is the, you know, actually in speaking inspired words. Um, and then Saul sent messengers again the third time and they prophesied also. Here he goes, three times, Saul's done. Three strikes, you're out. Maybe that's where we get three strikes in baseball. Just kidding. Then went he also to Ramah. So now Saul's, Saul's like, I'm done. I'm going to go see for myself. Right? I'm done. I'm going to go see for myself. And you get, you get an answer. The truth is suddenly right there. He comes in and says, and came to a great well that is in, and I don't know how to say it, Sekiu, which means watchtower. Say what? Sekou. It's like Cebu, but different. <laughs> Sekou. So, I mean, this is a great well, a, a very large well. And it's a, you know, this well could be anything, but the way it's used in here, you might think it's like, well, like a cistern, a pit, could be a prison of some sort, but we're thinking water. I'm thinking water. Okay. And he asked... What are you going to say? Okay. And he asked and said, all right, so here's where y'all get your Bible programs out. You look at the word asked. That word is Sha'al. He's inquiring. He's requesting. And in a way, as a king, he's demanding to know where are Samuel and David. See, he knew, he knew if David was in Ramah, he knew he was with Samuel because that's where Samuel was was born. That's his. That's that's where he. That's where he was had. That's where he lived. That's his home. Does it make you wonder why Saul never went after Samuel? Why he never got mad at him? I I don't know because isn't Samuel the one that removed him as king? Yeah. I mean, God used him, but yeah, I have no idea. I mean, but over and over, here he is. He's protecting David. Uh huh. Saul Saul's the one that's out to kill him over and over again. And Samuel kind of intervenes here and there, and you, you don't ever see him getting mad at Samuel and saying, you know what, let me just take you. I, I think he knew he couldn't touch a prophet. He probably did know that. Although you're not supposed to touch 
king either because no, that's God's not. anointed. That's right. Were you not ready? Yeah, I was. I was now. Um, okay. Oh, anyhow, also the word Naoth you keep saying is Navith. Yeah, it's pronounced weird in the in the Hebrew. Yeah. But I was also oh I remember what I was gonna say. But maybe it's partially David's fault. Because if he was being led by God and he, the first thing he did was go to Jonathan. He didn't go to God. Well Jonathan went to him. Right, but still he listened to Jonathan as what to do. Maybe the maybe the words this is what I was gonna say. Since Saul was prophesying, what was he saying? Aren't we curious? We don't know. No, we don't. So I could only assume a little bit that what he was saying was probably irritating him a lot. Irritating Saul. Saul? Yeah. Saul was irritating Saul. Yeah, with his words of prophecy yeah. that, that okay. maybe, hey, I'm just an interim dude here for David. I can hear my own words. I'm just, I'm here just to prepare the way for David to come as king and run things. And oh my gosh, that really irates me. And uh, I barely was king. And here I am welcoming a new guy already, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just saying, what if he was prophesying about David? Yeah, I don't, yeah, we don't know though. Well, it is interesting that um, God was giving Saul opportunity after opportunity yes. to come into alignment and if Saul would just do that, he would have seen that David was not there to usurp him. David was there to step in in the timing of God, which if Saul had been submitted to God, that wouldn't have been an issue. You know, as far as Jonathan and David, they really were ordained by God to work together. That was a special bonding, mm -hmm. just like Elijah and Elisha was, were supposed to work together. Yeah. Just like Saul and David really were supposed to work together. You know, well, when you think of what prophecy is, it's speaking the words of the Lord and um, it is it is pointing always to the power, the glory, his majesty, uh, who he is, what he's doing, uh, his purpose, his plans. And so, uh, you know, when Saul was prophesying, he was declaring the purpose of God. He was declaring the the person of God. He was declaring the things that were uh uh, God's design for the people. And, and so what he was prophesying is like what he should have been doing. And yet when, when he came out from underneath the spirit, he, he went back to what he wanted to do. Uh -huh. Right. And, and so, uh, the prophets, the school of the prophets, they were, they were in that process of declaring the, the glory of the father mm -hmm. of, of God as their father, as, as the one and only directive for them to follow. And, and Saul got into that and it just overcame him. And he began to speak about who he was supposed to be. And uh, so like yeah. Carmen was saying, mm -hmm. uh, there, there <laughs> could, you know, when, when you do that, there is a, um, uh, a real strong conviction. And, um, you know, that was a war in his mind. And there was this constant battle of what he knew he should be doing and what he was really in his heart. Yep. It's a conflict. And to add, so to speak, insult to injury, but it really isn't. I mean, <laughs> God led him to actually strip himself down naked as the king of Israel and, and lay there on the ground. I mean, talk about a demonstration of how we're all to be totally vulnerable before the Lord. And God was trying to get this across a, a to, 
to Saul. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine? I, I can't even imagine what it looked like when he got done. And then he got up and he's like, looking around, looking at himself like, okay, I'll get dressed and move on. I mean, like it didn't, it, it didn't it, impact him. It didn't impact him. And you would have thought something like that would really have, because he's not going to do that on his own, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. We have, go ahead, Adris. No, no. Well, no, and it, it just, I'm seeing time and again, this winnowing principle of God was using these things. And Saul, like dad was saying, to try and align him to get his heart and his mind back in alignment with the spirit of what God wanted him to function as. And he kept having this choice and he kept choosing not to, you know, to come out of it and either let it convict you and change or to then become bitter against it or to complain about, you know, even if it doesn't say he complained, the fact that his mindset then was to go after the one who was functioning the way that Saul was supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like he was seen reflected in David, what he should have been. And it rubbed him the wrong way because he wasn't doing it. Yeah. Well, well I, then, no, we're fine. Yeah. Well, you know, it did affect Saul. I mean, he came out of that and he said, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm in the wrong place. And he went back, but when he went back, you know, he, <laughs> he, he didn't back. go back and change the atmosphere mm-hmm. from, from whence he came. Right. And so all the influences that were there began to uh, counteract what he had um, come to know. And so, you know, it's, we can say what we ought to be. And, and when we are in the right atmosphere, we can declare and we can lay on our face and we can, we can tell God who we are in his presence. And then when we go back, if we don't take that atmosphere, if we don't take that commissioning back to where we were before and change where our place, our terio, then those those influences will start to overcome us again. They will start to override and and be an influence, and and we forget, we, or we choose to. Um, we get too casual. Okay, that's a good word. You know, you're just like, uh, uh, oh wait, what? <laughs> well, and we unprepare ourselves for the attack, right? And all of a sudden, it hits us, and and instead of pulling on what we have known and the application of what is really going on, we, we succumb to the atmosphere when we become, uh, uh, influenced. Yeah. It's, it's more like a reflexive response than a, uh, understanding response. Yeah. I mean, how, okay. How, how that has changed in all of us. Cause you remember back when we were not, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't taking everything right. I wasn't taking everything well. I don't want to do this. I hate this. I don't like this. Whatever I was doing. Um, And now it's like, okay, all right. All right. This kind of stinks in the natural and in my mind and maybe even in my heart, but I'm looking at God and this is what he's doing. So, okay, let's go. And we just got to start praising him. Well, and I just think, you know, as dad was saying, you know, that ability to take back into your terio now more than ever, as we come into this conference of Ramah, I really think God's like, you know, sharpening everyone's vision and saying, okay, you know, this can't just be life as usual. You know, I'm getting ready and we're coming to a summit. We're coming to a point where this has to be something you take back and implement in your, in your terios, in your temples. I mean, you've, for a lot of people, it's been, they've had to, you know, do their, their house, their dwelling. And God did that on purpose so that this now becomes something. It's not just at the church. It's, this is something that you put 
in your lifestyle, in your home. And so it's, sorry, I didn't mean to, it's that ability to not just go, oh, that's really interesting. That's really cool. And then come back and, and forget completely that you've had that experience, that you've had that moment revelation. And so this revelation has to be that thing that is applied immediately and sticks because what's coming, it has to be relied upon with that knowledge base being forefront in our minds Mm -hmm. and not the fifth thing we think of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honest, it's just, you know, and not, or not have fear rise up so quickly that we can't see and react the way God needs us to, because we're still trying to overcome the fear, you know, that, that wants to so easily beset us. Yep. I mean, really the things that are coming are going to push us to the edge of that. We're going to be standing on the edge of, of do I jump or do I stay right here? And, and, depending on how you look at things, jumping could be the right answer because you know God's got you or staying right there is where you're going to go. Okay. Anyway, but that's, that's, that's the stuff that's coming. And it's, it is, it is, if you're not uncomfortable when you're in that place, then congratulations. You're a lot further down the road than I am because there's still places where I'm like, ah, so I'm going to keep going a little bit more. Got five more minutes before it's actually nine thirty. So, he says, somebody tell, tell Saul they're at Naoth, Naoth and Ramah. And so he goes to Naoth and Ramah. So looking at the words Ramah, it roots back to a height or a high place. That's what Ramah roots back to. And Naoth, is, is the definition is habitation. So it's the residence um, of whoever, whatever, but it's also, it's a place in Palestine. I was wondering if it still exists. I, I don't know. But um, the rest of the other definition that goes with Naoth is the to rest as at home. Um, and there's a, and I, this is where I got lost again. Causatively, through the implied idea of beauty, to celebrate with praises, to beautify, to dwell. So, Anyway, that's what that word means. So when you're at Naoth and Rama, you're in a habitation in in a house or a, a high place in that belongs, I'm going to say that belongs to the Lord. Can the enemy have the high place? Yes, of course. But this is what I, when I was reading it, this is what I was looking at. So this is where he goes. And then once again, the spirit of Elohim overcomes him. So we're in chapter 19, and the first incident happened in 10. So nine chapters later, I don't know how long that is in Bible time, but anyway, it, it happens again. And, and so he ends up prophesying, and as Vicki already said, he strips down naked, and he lays down all day and all night. And then here comes that same thing, Adrian. Is Saul also among the prophets? <laughs> is this really him? Is, well, if he can do it. So I just was looking at this just thinking, wow, what is so impactful about Rama and Naoth and Rama that, that a king would do the things that he did? Well, I mean, obviously the spirit of Elohim is there. So I started to look at all the other places in, in scripture that Rama's used, and I don't know how many there are. 
30-something places that Rama is actually used. This would be another good study for you guys to do. And in a lot of places it's used, it's talking about the men of Rama and then being counted or being accounted for in Scripture, which is it's okay, I gotcha. But there's other places where, um, like Rama was used and built up to prevent during the time of King Asa? Yes, where King Asa of Judah, remember when they didn't want people to go to Jerusalem to to sacrifice or go back and forth from over here to go to Jerusalem? We got to keep them away from Jerusalem, right? We, can, we They can't go over there. So the king of Israel said, mm, no. so they built up, they actually built up Rama to prevent that from happening, to stop the people that wanted to go back and forth. So that was interesting, but then they were overwhelmed by God and they were able to take that all down. So Rama is a high place and that's pretty significant in the comings and goings for sure. So um, there's just a lot of other places that talks about Rama. Go ahead, teacher. I was just looking at it and thinking in regards to the two together. I mean, thinking about a high place being an established point where you can guard the comings in and the going out and what happens. And just the Naoth, you know, like you said, it was to celebrate with praises or to, uh, to beautify or dwell. And just thinking about, you know, if this is where the school of the prophets was and they were hearing directly from the right hand of the father. And we know that the father's intent was always to take those things that he intended to be beautiful that had been twisted and to restore them to their proper point of function. And then the point of praise or rejoicing in seeing that happen and being part of that process that the father was establishing a high place where when you came, this is what was going to happen. If you were receiving a word from the Lord, it was going to be something that was going to cause either you or the Terio he was sending you back out to, which is what was just being discussed to function and operate and the beauty of what he intended. You know, we know that our praise goes forth. We know that it leads the way on behalf of what we know the father wants to do. So if you go back and you're keeping always before you what the father wants to do and you're praising him for how he's going to do that work, then when you get back to your terio, it's still at the forefront of your mind. Unlike me this morning, who, when mom asked me to get her notes, I thought about it when I got in the car and then in the minute and a half it took me to drive down the road, totally forgot it was no longer in the forefront. But I wasn't continually praising, Lord, I'm going to remember to get those, you know, <laughs> I mean, very earthly example, but the, you exactly. know, the point being yeah. when you're praising, when you're just thanking God for what he's showing you and how, you know, he's going to accomplish this, mm -hmm. then you're not forgetting about it when you get back. And when you get there, you're seeing how the father had established this high point and something. And because like you said, Rayma was used multiple times. It's not like it just applied mm -hmm. to this one place, this one place yeah. but that, you know, the father is always wanting to take the places where the enemy has established his high points mm -hmm. and to bring down those idols, bring down the thing that have been ruling and guarding over a terio and establish his ways, yep. establish what he wants to do. And so in this, in this place, you know, mm -hmm. his desire to cause his people to function in the fullness of their identity. Yeah. Well, the then, girls won't stop talking. Well, then you can see why, see why Saul ended up naked Proskuneoed 
and prophesying because that's exactly what he was supposed to be doing as king before the father. So, you know, cause it doesn't make in his, in his mind, will and emotions, this, this behavior didn't make any sense. And yet he came to this place where God was, you know, showcasing, you know, um, his plan and purpose from his heart. And there was nothing Saul could do once he took in, he came into this place. So he subjected himself to that spirit and the act, the, the actions were he prophesied and he, you know, for a whole 24 hours, he was proskineoed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm waiting. I, I propose that we change the name of our church to Naoth and Rama church. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting for someone to do that. People name Bethel church and stuff, but why don't they Naoth and Rama? Go ahead, Vicki. I was just thinking there was something too about that connection there with that source of deep waters ah. with um, uh, the concept of a watchtower over yes. that area, over that high place, mm-hmm. you know, where God's obviously God's provision from heaven was coming forth, was being poured forth or dug down deep into. Um, just throwing that out there. No, no, that's good. That's good. Obviously, we're going to, I think we're going to do more of this next week. And try to hopefully finish. I think so. I think we can do it in two. I don't know, but it's a yeah. Save your papers, but I might. I might have. I'll be a, a Mark Burke. I might add an addendum to the teaching. But you know, it's it's a lot of stuff to talk about. But it's a lot of things that I really want to. I want. I want it to take with me. I want to remember it because I don't even remember part of the stuff I'm looking at. And I know I read the book. I absolutely read that book. How come I can't remember it? Robin obviously read this book because this is from Robin's. She's she's got yellow highlights. This is Robin's library, and so you know it's something I want. I want to stick, and I want I want it, I want all of us to get it because not just because of the conference, but obviously God's highlighting this for a reason, and there and there's things that are coming that we still we 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 don't know. But we will be the spokesman for God. That's just going to be the way it is. It's right there. Proverb for us. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Just that memorying, remembering things is from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, that that's what God used to forge our partnership with him is Remember this, remember that. This is what this is supposed to be used for. Oh, let me teach you how to call the names of the animals. You know, it's it's about us learning to remember and how to remember. So that's I think a lot of the yeah stuff we need. Okay. Thank you all very much. Part two next week, I believe. All right.